welcome to today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. U.S. Virgin Islands Senator faces criminal charges for COVID defiance. Puerto Rico House prepares bill to approve restructured bonds. The Jamaican National Agency for Accreditation seeking FDA approval as a third-party accreditation body. Grenada and the Dominican Republic establish diplomatic relations and blue economy to be incorporated into Barbados' schools. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, September 27th. We start our report today in the U.S. Virgin Islands. U.S. Virgin Islands Attorney General Denise George announced the filing of criminal charges against Senator Marvin Blyden for willfully exposing the public to a contagious disease after testing positive for COVID-19. Following the DOJ investigation, Senator Blyden, a St. Thomas District Senator, is alleged to have tested positive for COVID-19 on September 15th and was ordered to quarantine until September 25th, according to the Department of Health. But members of the community witnessed Senator Blyden out at an event at the Tillich Gardens on St. Thomas on September 18th, when he should have been at home quarantined away from the public. DOJ Special Agent Keisha Michelle of the Virgin Islands Department of Justice worked closely with investigators from the Virgin Islands Department of Health and other agents from within the Department of Justice to investigate the allegations against Senator Blyden. After a thorough investigation, the Virgin Islands Department of Justice filed charges in the Superior Court late on Friday afternoon against a senator for violations of 14 VI Code 886, exposure in a public place while infected with contagious disease. Attorney General Denise George announced no one is above the law, willfully exposing people from within our community to this potential deadly communicable disease is not something that should be brushed aside. We all have a duty to protect our fellow Virgin Islanders and elected leaders are not exempt by status or position from the law. The Virgin Islands Code states, whoever willfully exposes himself or another afflicted with any contagious or infectious disease in any public place or thoroughfare, except in his necessary removal in a manner the least dangerous to the public health, shall be fined not more than $200 or imprisoned for not more than one year or both. Senator Blyden has been summoned by the Superior Court of the Virgin Islands to appear remotely on Zoom and answer the charges on October 1, 2021. The bond buyer reports that the Puerto Rico House of Representatives could approve this week restructured bonds for the Puerto Rico bankruptcy, which may move the process along. House Speaker Rafael Hernandez Montanez plans to submit a bill to allow the sale of restructured bonds consistent with the proposed plan of adjustment, said Lilian Maldonado, spokesperson for Representative Jesus Santana 
Rodriguez, president of the House Finance Committee. If the bill is proposed today, Monday, as expected, the Finance Committee will take it up on Wednesday. The bill should include the restructured bonds and contingent value instruments found in the plan. It should also address Puerto Rico's pension system, Maldonado said. The board has said local legislative action on pensions is not needed for debt restructuring. The House would complete the final markups on the bill on October 1st, Maldonado said. The deadline for adopting legislation approving and the restructuring bonds is October 4th, Maldonado said. After House approval, the Senate and governor would also have to give their approvals. For several weeks, members of the Puerto Rico legislature, Governor Pedro Perilusi, and members of the Oversight Board have met to negotiate a deal to get local government approval for the restructuring bonds. The local government objects to the plan of adjustment cuts to pensions. Local government officials have also express concerns about other aspects of the board's approved fiscal plan. We'll see what's in the draft and we'll see if we can make it work, said Matthias Riker, spokesperson for the Oversight Board on the potential legislation. For laws to go into effect, the board must deem them consistent with its fiscal plans and it can revise its fiscal plans. The Oversight Board has said it has the legal right to restructure the debt without local government approval, but acknowledge getting approval would avoid complications. Bondholders have also said they would prefer the new bonds have the local government's formal approval. The Jamaican Information System reports that the Jamaican National Agency for Accreditation, JANAC, has announced that it will be seeking United States Food and Drug Administration approval as a third-party accreditation body. We are again in expansion mode, adding new programs in support of trade facilitation. Later this year, we will be audited by the FDA in our quest to become a recognized FDA third-party accreditation body, said Chief Executive Officer of JANAC, Sharon May Shirley. She explained that such a partnership is expected to facilitate ease of exportation to the United States and will greatly benefit the manufacturing and export industry. Indeed, JANAC has been steadfast in its mandate to facilitate trade between Jamaica and its trading partners internationally. We do this through enabling the conformity assessment bodies through internationally recognized accreditation services to meet global specifications, Mrs. Shirley stated. She highlighted that over the last seven years, JANAC has exponentially increased the number of entities accredited to international standards in Jamaica and the Caribbean region and is represented in at least 10 Caribbean states. Quality continues to be a driver in our economic transformation. It is for this reason that JANAC is committed to improving and expanding its service offerings. We are humbled to be contributing to national and international plans for the global advancement of accreditation and quality infrastructures, Mrs. Shirley concluded.
The St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that in a joint statement, the executive secretaries of the United Nations regional commissions have called for enhanced regional cooperation to develop nature-based and technological solutions for capturing CO2 emissions from the atmosphere and ensuring its long-term storage. The regional executive secretaries include the executive secretary of the UN Economic Commission for Europe, the Executive Secretary of the UN Economic and Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific, Executive Secretary of the UN Economic and Social Commissions for Western Asia, the Executive Secretary of the UN Economic Commission for Africa, and Alicia Barcina, Executive Secretary of the UN Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbean. Last week's high-level dialogue on energy was the first global gathering on energy mandated by the UN General Assembly since 1981. It gives all member states an opportunity to demonstrate their commitments and actions to achieve clean and affordable energy for all by 2030 and net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Time is running out to avert a climate emergency. Nations around the world are failing to live up to their objectives and commitments on sustainable energy. The recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change reported that climate change is widespread, rapid, and intensifying. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres called it code red for humanity. First of all, we must protect our precious carbon sinks, which include forests, oceans, and wetlands. Second, carbon dioxide removal is essential if the world is to achieve its universally agreed sustainable development goals. Carbon dioxide removal includes nature-based approaches such as reforestation and technological-based approaches such as as capture of carbon dioxide emissions from power plants for underground storage or reuse. The article states that the UN regional commissions can play an instrumental role in convening stakeholders to address existing gaps in knowledge and governance in the context of regional and national specificities and address the region-specific implications and trade-offs of global action on carbon dioxide removal, sharing best practices among nations with respects to carbon dioxide removal improves the opportunity to build inclusive, sustainable livelihoods. In developing countries, carbon dioxide removal activities, whether nature-based or technological, should also feature as a part of the effort to provide sustainable livelihoods that can accelerate the attainment of the sustainable development goals. Grenada now reports that on the margins of the 76th session of the United Nations General Assembly, Grenada established diplomatic relations with the Dominican Republic. 
Grenada's Minister of Foreign Affairs, International Business and CARICOM Affairs, Honorable Oliver Joseph and his counterpart, His Excellency Roberto Alvarez, Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Dominican Republic, signed a joint communique formally establishing diplomatic relations, thereby strengthening the friendship and cooperation between the two countries. The two sides place strong emphasis on critical areas that can broaden the relationship between the two countries and welcome each other's unwavering commitment to coordinate efforts to ensure bilateral relations are strengthened. The signing of the joint communique complements the actions of Grenada's foreign policy aimed at strengthening the friendly relations and corporations with other states. The two states have been working closely within the African Caribbean Partnership Group and CARIFORM. At the United Nations, both countries coordinated closely in other intergovernmental process and on matters of common interest. The signing ceremony took place on September 23rd. And finally, Barbados Today reports that schools in Barbados could soon have a curriculum that includes teaching about the blue economy. Minister of Maritime Affairs and the Blue Economy, Kirk Humphrey, shared his expectations during the handing over of the seven open skiffs sailboats at Barbados Yacht Club. Mr. Humphrey disclosed that the ministry has been working with the Ministry of Education, Technological and Vocational Training in its Swim for Life initiative, and there were discussions about including teaching about the blue economy in schools in the near future. We're also talking to the Ministry of Education about a bigger understanding of the blue economy so that the curriculum, not only in terms of its actual sports, sailing, and swimming, and the physical activities, but that the actual curriculum reflects a blue economy understanding. So what is happening with our coral? What is happening with our biodiversity? Why do we need to have marine protected and marine managed areas to a certain extent? Why do we need to look out for the parrotfish, the turtles, and those kinds of things? And so that kind of education is now being contemplated in terms of how do we incorporate that into the overall curriculum? and I hope to see it in its fullness over time. Mr. Humphreys also noted that the Ministry of Maritime Affairs and the Blue Economy has been having discussions with the Ministry of Youth Sports and Community Empowerment in an effort to receive assistance in its We See, We Life program. He said through the National Sports Council, assistance has been received for the Swim for Life initiative, and the council has provided information about persons who are able to participate in the Sail for Life program. He added that he would be deepening his discussions on sailing with the Minister of Sports so that more young people could be trained to a certain level, and that it would move beyond being an introductory sailing program 
to being a real program that puts Barbados back competitively on the map. Mr. Humphreys also said that he plans to have talks with the sports ministry about beach sports such as volleyball and water polo. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, September 27th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.